Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Here we are back at the boot camp yet again. By the time you're listening to this, we will have thoroughly enjoyed some great food celebrating Independence Day and just had that great time with family. We're recording this a little ahead of time so that we can do that without having to spend the 17 hours that goes into every episode that we record. <laughs> Make sure we have this quality, quality material out to you guys well ahead of time. Hey, Fourth of July question. So one, what is your favorite firework? And two, can you shoot them off in Jacksonville or do you have to go somewhere else to shoot them off? So one, I think probably my favorite is the ones that shower down in the different colors. Okay. I like that, yeah. uh, especially when they are LSU purple and gold. Uh, it's, just <laughs> oh, a beautiful, it's just a beautiful color combination uh, and it, it works out really well. And so I would, I would suggest that. And then as far as can you shoot them in Jacksonville, I'm not sure what the law on the books is, but I do know people do. It, I mean, to the point that, uh, especially in the part of Jacksonville where I live, it's around this time we we start playing the is that fireworks or gunshots game. Well, there you go. And, and we got to figure out, you know, you got to listen and you still have to learn how to listen and to be able to differentiate the difference and, and know whether you need to bring the kids inside or not. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We play that. Sometimes we play that game here in, uh, in what's now it's illegal as you would imagine. And if you know anything about my city, we've talked about it some, it's highly illegal to shoot off fireworks in my city. And a mm. uh, couple, a couple of things. Uh, one is, is we, we had a fireworks show one year, Jimbo, where we, we gotten some people from the church together to watch it. All of a sudden we know that it seemed like, Man, we had never seen a finale occur that quickly. And uh, what happened is that somebody mislit the sequence of all of the giant displays of fireworks, and they all went off at once. It was like the shortest fireworks show in the world. And we were like, wow, that was something. And then uh, a year later, same company, they hired the same company. Somehow one of the the fireworks blocks, I guess the way it works is you, you... glue these things or affix these giant fireworks into a some kind of stand or setup or something. And mm-hmm. one of them went off and it knocked it over and it started shooting those big fireworks off into the crowd that was watching. And, oh. and so that was uh, two years in a row. We had fireworks disasters and then COVID hit. So no fireworks during COVID uh, because they canceled the community day. So this year they're, they're returning the fireworks. I think they've hired a new company and they've got a giant buffers safety zone in case something like that happens again. So we'll see what happens. But my favorite firework of all time, Jimbo, is the bottle rocket. The bottle rocket. Do you know what the bottle rocket is? It's just oh, yeah. the, I used to have yeah. bottle rocket wars. Yeah, me too, man. Me and the, me and the Withrow boys, they live behind me and, uh, we had bottle rocket wars and one fourth of July. Um, my dad was a photographer, he had a, a police scanner, and he said, You need to get inside because the cops are coming and because you're not be, supposed to be shooting off fireworks in your neighborhood. Right. And so I went outside my backyard to shout at the Withrow boys to get inside and just then got hit with the, the spotlight from the cop 
and he made my dad come out. And, and uh, that was not a fun Fourth of July for this guy right here. So I'll tell you one fun fireworks story before we dive into the actual content. I had a church member at Redemption that invited my family over to his house for the 4th of July. And here's how he prefaced it. He said, look, I don't bowl. I don't hunt. I don't golf. I don't do drugs. I don't drink. But I do fireworks. And all that money, all that money that everybody else would spend on all those hobbies and habits, I spend it all on fireworks. How about that? And so I was like, okay, okay, let's see what happens. So we get to his house and in his little bitty backyard, I mean, small backyard, he has us, his family, some other neighbors. There's probably like 25, 30 of us kind of crammed into this backyard. And and we're like 15 feet from his fireworks setup. And, and he's shooting off like professional grade, like insane fireworks. Boom. Ash is falling on us from the sky. It was fascinating and terrifying all at the same time. Did you have earplugs or were you just, just gr- grinning and bearing it? Oh, yeah. No, we all had, we all had to put in earplugs okay. and, uh, and everything. And, and, I mean, you're literally getting rained on by debris. So you're constantly like wiping debris off of you, making sure that nothing's catching on fire. Oh my uh, god! <laughs> it was interesting to say the least. It was a, it, I I I declined his invitation the next year. It was uh, <laughs> it was it was a good time. I enjoyed it. I'm glad I did it once. It's one of those things you want to experience one time, but maybe not beyond that. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, jumping in. So last week's episode, we talked about maybe some of the the points that visionaries need to think about, the importance of balancing being a visionary and a shepherd and not just one or the other. And I think one of the things we see people do sometimes is they lean so heavy into whichever side is their more natural strength that they can lead to the neglect of the other side. And so we wanted to do a couple of episodes emphasizing the importance of finding a balance there. So last week's episode, if you haven't listened to it, was on visionary leadership. And if you're more of a visionary than you are a shepherd, we have some points of kind of counsel, advice for you uh, from us and our experience as both of us are more visionary than shepherd on ways to think about not being so impulsive, not just doing big ideas without execution, things like that. And so I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that episode. But what we have also seen and encountered a lot is people who are more shepherd than they are visionary, which is wonderful. And it's a great thing, but just like being more visionary than you are shepherd, there are things you need to think about and things that will help you make sure you stay balanced as a visionary shepherd in that. And so one of the things that I think could be important, Bob, for people who lean more towards shepherd than they do visionary is is sometimes they can be slower to make decisions and more hesitant to kind of lead things forward. And so we told visionaries, hey, you're going to have to lead at a pace that's slower than you want. And if you're a high visionary and you're not leading at a pace that's slower than you want, you're probably moving too fast. Uh, As a matter of fact, I would just say if you're a visionary more than shepherd, you probably are just flat out are leading too fast. Yeah. But shepherds shepherds sometimes can have the opposite problem. At least that's what I've observed. What about you? Yeah, I think so. A shepherd wants to be able to to manage the flock and keep people together. And one of the things that most people don't like is change, right? So people have a lot of questions about change. And so a shepherd wants to make sure that everybody's on the same page. So they might 
have an idea, they'll test it out a little bit, then they'll think about it and test it out again. And then they they think, man, I, I probably need to run this by everybody. And then we need to have everybody on board before we move. And that's sort of a shepherd mentality, right? We don't want to leave anybody behind. So I think you're right there. They, they can view the forward progress of the church through the lens of, are we going to have everybody be on board with this? And mm-hmm. for that reason, I think a shepherd might wait to launch an initiative. Or here's another thing. Visionaries typically, and this kind of goes back to a podcast that we did about holy discontent. Visionaries really kind of tap into holy discontent. They see something, man, it shouldn't be this way. Or here's an opportunity. We got to take care of it. Shepherds don't view the world that way. They view the world. Hey, man, is everybody okay? Everybody with us? Are we taking care of everybody? Is everybody maturing? Is everybody have what they need? Uh, we didn't, you know, et cetera. And so I think it's the different difference in orientation. So sometimes shepherds, you've got to, they'll, they'll realize there's a problem in the, in the church too late, right? Because the body doesn't give the feedback loop quickly enough to see that, oh my gosh, here's a, here's an issue. And so that's a problem. Yeah. Whereas we talked uh, last week about how a visionary may have what he thinks is the most brilliant idea in the world in the middle of a sermon and, and pitch that out to everybody. Uh, a shepherd may think, here's where we need to go. And so I'm going to preach a six-month sermon series to, <laughs> to to help us think through considering a decision like this. And so somewhere between announcing it when it comes to your mind in the middle of the sermon and a six-month sermon series, somewhere in between there is probably where we're wanting to land on that kind of timing. I think so. All right. So I, I would think one of the other things is we tell visionaries you need to bring things to the group and make sure that everyone in the group of your leaders is really helping you and you're not making decisions in isolation. Like you alluded to uh, a few minutes ago, shepherds will sometimes wait not until there is a consensus, but uh, a unanimous decision. And, and so they want everybody to be 100 percent, everybody on board with the direction. And so sometimes as a shepherd, you, when you hear clearly from the Lord, this is what needs to be done, or it's just clear in scripture what you need to be doing. Sometimes as a shepherd, you're just going to need to step in and pull the trigger quicker than you want to. If you're a visionary, you may not have even listened to the last episode and you just heard what I said. And all you heard was just pull the trigger. And so visionary, pull the trigger slower. Shepherd, pull the trigger faster. Thinking through on, on that. Whereas visionaries struggle with execution at times. Sometimes what we'll see shepherds do is just grind, man. And they just grind and grind and they just stay at the same kind of thing for forever. So what advice would you have, Bob, for the, the shepherd leader who's been grinding and he's, and he's just not seeing uh, momentum in the congregation. Yeah. I think I would encourage him to take some time with, you know, the scriptures and maybe get away on a personal retreat and just ask the Lord to speak to them, speak to them about the, the condition of the flock where the Lord wants the church to go, et cetera. Right. Because so much time we can be so many times we can be uh, flock focused and not our Heavenly Father focused. And mm. so I think it's a, an audience issue, right? If if my first thought goes to how will our people respond rather than to what does God want, I think that that can be problematic. And so mm. a shepherd by gifting and by personality is always going to be flock focused and pro- first. And, and I think that to reverse that, you probably got to get away from the flock in order to focus on what your father wants for you 
and for the church and where he's be where he would be leading. Yeah. So I would say if you're a visionary, then you ask the Lord for patience and wisdom and to make sure you're hearing from him before you step forward. If you are a shepherd, I would say you ask the Lord for courage and clarity, because when we talk about vision, all we're really talking about is clarity. And I think sometimes when we talk about vision, it can sound so businessy that our our shepherd, our shepherding side of of our group maybe even has like a foreign tissue rejection feel to the word vision. And they feel like I'm not leading with vision. I'm just leading with the Bible. Yeah. Which we would say, man, amen. Amen. Lead with the Bible. We are not asking you to do anything outside of what the Bible calls us to do. And if you don't want to use the phrase vision or visionary, that's fine. Don't use those phrases. I don't really care. But what we do need to know is clarity about where God is calling us to go. And, and so if you are a shepherd-minded leader, that what I would encourage you to do is just ask the Lord to give you that clarity from his word and then to give you the courage to take those steps to make sure that the things are moving forward where God is calling you to go as a congregation. I think it's important. This, this one thought came to my mind as we're talking about vision. I think we need to make this understand the statement because I I'm no, don't know if we specifically made it in the last podcast, but vision is not about my vision for the church. It's about what God wants for the church mm-hmm. and what mm-hmm. God wants for the church has specifically been stated in the scriptures that speak about the mission of God in proclaiming the gospel and making disciples who make disciples and being a community of believers who by their lives declaring and demonstrating the gospel, bring glory to God and work for the good of their community. Right. So mm-hmm. I, w- I want to say that's like the, that's the, the, that's the framework of the vision, right? How you live that out as a church is usually contextual to your location, the people whom God has called to be a part of your local body and the resources you have and the needs of the community, right? So those things so, so intersect. So I just felt like it, it maybe going back and just clarifying that to, as we talk about vision. And so shepherding people towards that involves reminding people of God's purpose for the church, but also not stopping there because shepherds can stop there, right? And this is what God wants for us. He wants us to witness. Yeah, we all agree, right? Or he wants us to be to be engaged in mercy ministry. Yeah, we all agree. All right, well, let's go do that, right? Well, that's not going to help that to take place. And so a shepherd has to really have a vision, lean into the vision side of things to say, man, how, how are we going to live that out in our context with our people, with our resources, with our time, with our building, et cetera? And so I, I think we would, as shepherds, you know, if you're high on the shepherding, you, you need to make sure you're, you've got a plan to specifically live that out with your people and you involve your people in helping you think about how to live that out. I think about it like this, that a visionary brings kind of energy and direction and clarity to a congregation, but a shepherd serves by bringing a calmness there you go. in the midst of a storm. And so, so we're not, so here is clearly, if, if you are a shepherd type leader, we're not telling you that you're wrong. And if you're a visionary type leader, we're not telling you that you're wrong. God has wired you to be who you are, but, but do not use your fleshly wiring as an excuse to not fulfill the calling that God has. And we're convinced that God's called you as a replant or revitalized pastor to be a visionary shepherd together. And which means at some point you have to lead outside of your comfort zone. 
whatever that is. And so as a shepherd, bring that calmness to the storm, but bring some clarity and courage as well to lead some direction for the congregation. And with that, it means that not everybody's going to like what you, what you do. When, when you lead with any level of vision or direction, a change of any kind, there will always be people who are against that change. And while visionaries may lead a wake of casualties behind them because they put progress over people, shepherds may uh, resist pushing the gas on what they've heard clearly from the Lord to do because not everybody's on board and they don't want to lose sheep and they don't want to lose people and they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. So, Bob, how does a shepherd type leader that's stronger in shepherd than visionary know when to press the gas and what advice would you have for them in that moment? Yeah, when I, I think one of the key factors is you had mentioned when there's somebody in the body who are a group of people in the body who are always pulling the brake, the emergency brake or complaining or resisting change and that sort of thing. And so as a shepherd, one of the things that I think is important is you have to realize what is the impact to the flock right now, the health of the flock and the well-being of the flock as we pursue God's mission. And so as you were kind of introducing this part of it, it reminded me of a, of a church or reminds me of a church I'm consulting right now. In, in the church, there's an individual who's been part of the church for a long time, and he typically votes no on everything, right? Just to vote no. And he's kind of Mr. No. And many of the churches that I have consulted, there's always one or two of those folks who just feel like it's their spiritual gift to vote no on an issue. And what happens is they really have an impact on the body and the body just kind of gets used to them. Right. And so the the metaphors that we have for the church and the flock and the, the people of God, some of the metaphors we have are the illustrations of, you know, you need to watch out for wolves who come in and attack the sheep. Right. And then you also need to know the difference between the sheep and the goats. Here's, here's what I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb here, Jimbo. If you've got somebody who is divisive and who constantly votes no, just to vote no, and just to, just to be the uh, contrarian in the room, I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say, you might have a goat mm -hmm. in the sheep pen, mm -hmm. right? You might have a wolf in the sheep pen, mm -hmm. right? And as the shepherd, you're going to have to deal with them. And so probably one of the first things you're going to have to do as a shepherd is examine the flock and walk through the flock and realize, am I not pursuing what God has for us because somebody's making noise about it and I don't have the courage to deal with them in a way that scripture calls me to deal with them, right? So I go back to Colossians 1, 28 and 29. Him we proclaim, it's all about the gospel. And then it says, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, right? So there's two functions there, warning and teaching. We do the latter, we neglect the former. And I think sometimes a shepherd fails to warn the, the flock against the influence of somebody who is, is perhaps not truly regenerate or divisive or resisting, you know, forward movement. And so I think one of the first things a shepherd has to do is, is have the courage to say, are those in our flock who are continually against everything causing me to not press the gas, so to speak, and move forward? And if so, why? Am I, why am I tolerating that? Why am I dealing with it? Why am I making excuses for it? And typically what I find is is there's going to be a clash point ahead at some time that develops over time. And then in that after that big conflict or that clash happens, if if the pastor, the shepherd and the shepherds deal effectively with that person who's been resisting change and causing trouble in the body, once they deal with that person, that person leaves, all the rest of the folks go, whew, 
man, it's about time somebody did some, something about that, right? <laughs> so, so I think in my response, I see people who, pastors who just tolerate that kind of stuff and they're burdened by it. And maybe they're not, con- maybe they're conflict averse. And maybe that's the reason why they're just not moving forward. And, and they prioritize mm-hmm. peace before progress, not just people before progress, but they, they prioritize peace before progress. And you cannot have progress without people. And you cannot have progress and maintain peace, right? I think you're 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 going to upset somebody. That's a good way to put that. As you were talking about wolves and sheep, in that I was thinking, I, as we've talked about this, I, would you say this is true? If a visionary and a shepherd are going to make a mistake in identifying a wolf or a sheep, which we we have to do that, right? We have to be able to identify who are wolves, who are sheep, when it comes to, especially if they're going to influence the direction of the church in any way. If, if we're going to err, the visionary is usually going to err on assuming that wounded sheep are wolves when maybe they're just wounded sheep. And the shepherd is going to assume that wolves are wounded sheep and they're going to try to... So visionaries may be too fast to kick out a wounded sheep thinking that they're a wolf sometimes when that just needs to be really they're just a wounded sheep that needs to be shepherded whereas a shepherd may be too quick to or too slow and they may they may just assume that it's a wounded sheep and they try to shepherd them and shepherd them and shepherd them when in reality it's a wolf that keeps biting and so just be mindful of that whichever side of that you fall on to make sure you're identifying that well uh, the last thing i would point out bob is replanting and revitalization is a five to seven year process is what we say. And I would almost say that that five to seven years is the window. If you're really high as a visionary, that's a fast five to seven sounds long, but it's fast. Yeah. A a shepherd, it might be more like a seven to 12 year type thing or seven to 15 even, or something like that. Uh, And so one know that, know that it's probably progress may be slower under, under heavier shepherd leadership than visionary. And that's not even a negative thing. I'm not saying that as a bad thing. That slower very well may mean a healthier growth process. And so know that if you're a shepherd type leader more than visionary, don't beat yourself up. If it's going slower than you see some hyper visionary doing it, what you may be doing may actually be healthier. But the other thing I would say is on the flip side, if I'm going to coach a visionary leader and they're trying to leave, I might I might pause them and say, hey, let's just make sure this is the Lord leading and not just you getting bored. But I think I've seen shepherd leaders that out of like this sense of loyalty to the sheep stick around maybe longer than they really needed to stick around and, and stay longer than maybe the Lord desired for them to stay there. I don't know. I might be wrong about that. What are your thoughts? I don't think so. I think you're you're right about that. And that's um that's one of the hardest things to determine is is how you know, one is God calling me to stay and stick this out, or is God calling me to leave? Right. And I agree with you that the visionary among us, they tend to move around. They're a little more apostolic and gifting. They want to go start something and get it, you know, head in the right direction and then go do it again. Right. The shepherds among us, you know, want, want a sense of community, want a sense of togetherness, want a sense of peace, want a sense of, you know, love and all, all those things in, in the body. And, and so sometimes I think it's easy for a shepherd just to stay for a long time and feel obligated to that particular location and call. And I think a shepherd can forget that it's not his people and his church. It, those are God's people and it's God's church. And so they don't, the church will not fold and the church will not crash if the shepherd 
God moves that particular under shepherd to another location or moves them to another ministry. And I think the shepherd has a harder time thinking that and coming to groups with that because the, out of the love for the people. And so it's, it's a perspective issue. So I would guess, you know, I, I think a shepherd would do himself well by asking the questions. Have I, have I arrived at the point where I, I've led where I can lead this church and where it needs to go is beyond my capacity? Have I faithfully discharged all the things that God has called me to do here with this group of people? And has God given me permission to lead them in his care and entrust them to his care? And have I developed other leaders who can care for them, you know, for my absence? Is there, is there a move of God in my life to just maintain or to move forward, right? So those are some questions maybe that a shepherd needs to wrestle with. Like on the other side of it, you said a visionary, am I just wanting to leave because I want to, I'm bored, I want to do something else, or I'm, I'm just a little dissatisfied at the pace uh, of progress, all those sorts of things. So I think whatever position you come from, which your primary lens, you're going to have to ask questions to help you evaluate your longevity. Absolutely. I hope you guys have enjoyed these last two episodes where we've talked about visionary shepherd leadership. And the the main thing we're saying is whichever side of that you fall more naturally to, don't neglect the other side. Have self-awareness, have restraint, have self-control, and understand that you're going to have to lead outside of your comfort zone and at a different pace than you desire. Slower if you're a visionary than you desire, faster if you're a shepherd than you desire. But also know and be comforted in that God has wired you the way he's wired you. And he didn't, if, if you're more of a visionary and you really struggle with shepherd, God didn't make a mistake in you. And it's an area for you to grow in. If you're more of a shepherd and less of a visionary, God didn't make a mistake in you. And it's just an area for you to grow in and submit to the Lord as he uses you as your under shepherd. So thank you guys for serving faithfully out on the front lines here at the boot camp. We love you and we love being able to walk this with you. And so reach out to us if we can ever be of help to you in any way. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.